welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about angels. So let's get started. Angels is one of those things that everybody, at times, many people, not everybody, presumes they know everything about, but we really don't, actually. And there's a lot that is not said about them when it comes to the Bible. And And since we're holy angels, we should probably know some about angels. We should know something. So it's good to be with you again, Lindsay, as I like to say, and have an opportunity to, to simply reflect a little bit, particularly when it comes to angels. Now, some of the information that I have taken or I've gleaned here comes from the uh, the Encyclopedia of Catholicism. Uh, Richard, it's really big sitting yes. on this table. Richard, and I have a feeling the print is small. <laughs> You're right. Richard McBrien is the uh, general editor. Print is very small. But it's one of those things. Uh, it's from out of HarperCollins. It's one of those resource books that, that has a lot of information that Google can't necessarily give you. Oh, I bet that's not true. <laughs> oh, I would question that. And I also find uh, some of the information from what is called the Catholic Source Book. Uh, this is by ACTA Publications. And um, again, it's, it's one of those, uh, the third edition here, and it's one of those books that uh, came out in around uh, 2000, copyright is 2000. It's, it's uh, kind of similar in some ways to Catholics for Dummies, um, but it's just better resources and, mm-hmm. and more knowledgeable information. The, the topic of angels, uh, again, you know, there are a lot of places where one can start and a lot of presumptions. Uh, even something, for example, like the, the idea of a winged creature— that is that is really the source of that is really artists books and such that is not really from scripture at all what is it are you telling me angels don't have wings uh, i am telling you that the angels that are spoken of in the scriptures uh, don't have wings oh, man stop let's except, just stop right yeah. here you're busting everyone's happy thoughts of angels except two places where they oh. talk of the seraphim and cherubim. But otherwise, angels, when they appeared in the Bible, they appeared as human beings. With halos on their head. With no halos either. You know, <sighs> it's just these are all additions that our artists like to give for lots of different reasons uh, because it makes good art uh, as opposed to what is really found with, within the Scripture. So let's let's just kind of start a little bit at the beginning. The very word, good place to yeah, start. Yeah, very good place to start. The word angels itself, both in Hebrew and in Greek, the basic definition is messenger. That's what their role was. That's what they were supposed to be. Now, there is, like I said, all sorts of literature out there that's that's that has no basis in scripture whatsoever. And it certainly allows for some uh, wonderful philosophical debate, probably over a mead or two, uh, depending upon what they were drinking at the time. But it really is, it's, it's a speculation. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, 
Um, they were heavenly beings. They didn't have a gender. There was no male or female. These were heavenly beings. They were messengers of God. They, they had specific purposes according to the scriptural uh, people who wrote the scriptures. And like I said, contrary to artistic depiction, in the, in the Bible, uh, they look like human beings. There's only one other spot really where they are spoken of with some wings, and that is in Genesis when it talks about seraphim, the Ark of the Covenant, those kinds of things. Again, all sorts of speculation, but not much else. <clears throat> they were um, they were to, you might say, discharge the orders of God, the intentions of God. Now, where do we get that from? Part of this is that our understanding of what angels may be, of what they are supposedly to be about, really in many ways comes from an ancient Near Eastern representation of the heavenly court. You're looking at the, 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 the courts of, of various uh, Near Eastern nations, and you're looking at who are the people on these courts that respond to the needs of the king or the desires of the king. And so the oh, angels, like, courts... Not like judge and jury court. No, no, but no, no, like, no. Okay. Re royal courts. Yes, okay. Uh, yeah, kingdom courts. Okay, now, now that I have the right visual in my head. Yes, not, not judge, not those kinds of courts. Okay. Is that angels were, took on the role of uh, those people who carried out the, the law of the king. They would go to the town and they would carry out uh, announcing a rule. They would carry out an execution. They would carry out all of these rules and such. These were carried out by various members of the court, depending upon what it was. Some had more authority than others, but the idea being you carried out the desire of the king. You think that's where the phrase don't shoot the messenger came from? Probably. <laughs> it has probably a lot to do with it. You know, I would compare it in a lot of ways. I would compare it to the the hierarchical structure of the church is in many ways taken after the Roman Empire. You have your emperor, the pope. You have your, you know, centurions. You have your all of these different ranks. You have cardinals and bishops and priests and and all the the minions or whatever. Is that they they looked for structure from any place they could find it. And so when you're talking about the ancient writings going back, you know, about Genesis and, and thousands and years ago, you're going to compare these beings, you're going to compare them to what you know. And so you, you take an example like the royal courts of Near Eastern, because that's what they would have been familiar with. And you would have, uh, you would have taken that to somehow make sense out of the divisions. At times, um, the angels were referred to as sons of God. So when we hear that term in, in the scriptures and such, basically what that means, one who was a son of God was a divine being. Now that puts gender on it, though. 
well, they had to use something, but even the language. We have to remember is that we interpret those things. Oftentimes, these language, the language doesn't have a gender. It's we true. give it a, drink, a gender. You know, so, so we call it sons of God. So it could have been children of God. Children or beings of God, yeah. okay. you know. But somehow it denotes a heavenly being. And I think that's something you bring up a good point, Lindsay, is that... When you think of where the scriptures and all of this, you're talking about a very patriarchal society. Women had no place. You would never, never have somehow referred to a divine being as female. Just you wouldn't have done that. Um, not, not if you valued your life or anything else for that matter. So we have to look at this and saying, you know, the, the words that are being used, we give them a gender because... Our language, in many ways, is limited. Uh, other languages, not so much, where there is a neutral mm-hmm. term. Uh, English, unfortunately, is limited in that regard. And so because of you know the person in charge makes the rules, is that we give it a gender. Uh, a well, gender and rule. in some language, the male form of the word, if it's plural, encompasses male and female. So in our translation, that could just be... Where it got off. And, and that is true. And as you know, too, as time, language, like anything else, changes. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, we are experiencing that in our own day and age. When you look at terms, whether for gender, for male, female, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. is that right now we as a culture and a society are struggling with that. And it's an interesting time because, you know, how people approach these things during this time, but the the idea being is that these these were not these were gender neutral people, um, or not people. These were gender neutral beings. Beings. So um, they were given, you know, again shape and form uh, in the scriptures, but mostly it was all human form. In the post biblical period, with apocryphal, apocryphal material. Uh, there was a, uh, when you look at the, you know, the biblical period and then post-biblical period, uh, is that there was a great increase of the number and activity of angelic beings. And there was also the tendency then to give names. To give the names to the angels is not, uh, you know, uh, is not a, uh, was not a thing to do, you know, where we have come to know it and presume that it was a, Angels were not given names. That is a much later development, and that's part so, of our need to, you know, to label and things. So what did they call them? They were... Heavenly beings? Heavenly beings, children of God. They, that's all they were called. You know, they were not given names. That was a much later development as that became, uh, you know, more and more a so, thing to do. Would that be then in the early scriptures that it was... Instead of the angel Gabriel came to Mary, it would be a heavenly being. being That was much... Interesting. It was later. And even the, you know, when they refer to, you know, labels, you were referred to as cherubim, seraphim, archangels. Names were a much later development, a much later development Again, we think it was always there, but it wasn't. It just, it just what they were, yeah, heavenly beings, hmm. you know? 
So us being holy angels kind of fits them because there's not a specific name for it. You're right. It always drives me crazy because there's not a specific angel, but... But in some ways, it's much more authentic, you yeah. might say, to being that that we are the parish community of heavenly beings. You know, there's there's a lot to be said for that. You know, as opposed to we're changing our name now. No, holy heavenly uh, beings. Holy, well, holy heavenly beings. <laughs> that you know, or the community of heavenly beings. There we go. That would be uh, that would be actually maybe something to do. Um. You know, when it comes to angels and such, there's not a whole lot done in the Older Testament since, or the, uh, the uh, yeah, the Old Testament. But certainly, uh, starting to be talked about with Jesus and such, uh, Jesus does mention, uh, speaks of angels a couple of times. Uh, angels are referred to, for example, uh, the agony in the garden, uh, the moving the stone at the tomb. Um, now here, Angel Gabriel, but that was a name given. But it's interesting that in the other places where it deals with Jesus is that there were no names given. It was the angelic being. It was the angel at the tomb, the angel that announced the... Um, angel of the Lord, yeah. heavenly host. These are, these are again, it was referring to an entity. It was later on that they were much more the personification of it, you might say, where names were given. And it's interesting how when we, we we're the one that needs the names. We, we need the names, you know. Uh, it's less abstract that way. Mm-hmm, it is. But when we give names, now we give all sorts of personalities and all sorts of qualities. We have a whole background for them now. <laughs> y- y- yes. And, and it's interesting how it, it sneaks into places that it normally wouldn't have because we've given them names and such. But again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, the only place where there was uh, an angel, angels, I should say, were very much part of the Jewish belief. I mean, that was hmm. very much a part of, of their belief system, their theology. The well, only group... how come? Because if angels don't aren't necessarily in the Old Testament... Or is it because they were in Genesis? They were in the Old Testament. Well, I know, yeah. but you said there wasn't a lot of them. Uh, not a lot, but they are there. Book of Tobit. You okay. have the Genesis. You have Exodus. Gotcha. You have so okay, they're in. So they're there. Not a lot. Okay. But they are there. Okay. Not personified like we would do it. Sure. Um, the only group that that did not agree with the concept of angels because they simply denied denied their existence were the Sadducees. <clears throat> they simply denied the existence of angels. And, and I'm not exactly sure why all of that was, but otherwise it was very much part of the popular Jewish belief. Well, the Sadducees were part of the Jewish tradition. tradition. Mm-hmm. They just were a sect that didn't, okay. Didn't, didn't yeah, just didn't acknowledge the existence and but it was also a cause for a lot of discussion and those kinds of things that certainly would have been part of 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 the um, part of the theological you know front you might Mm -hmm. say of that day and age when it comes to um the the celestial hierarchy now here's where we we start to you know, we want to make all sorts of, of um, definitions and, 
and such uh, when it comes to the celestial hierarchy is that there are nine levels of angels. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Each of them had a role. Again, part of this being taken from people's understanding over time and, and place and culture. Do any of them float on clouds and sing songs? No, <sighs> none of them. Sorry, doesn't what? happen. Is that you had the seraphim. Now, yeah, I'll, I'll go to the definitions in a bit, but you had the seraphim. Now, there, these are in the hierarchical level. So seraphim is on top. Seraphim is on top. They're the boss. They had seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominations, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels. Now, each of these had a task, and this is the, you might say, the, uh, you know, the, um, the list of power and control and who did what, where, when, and how. Half of those don't sound like angels to me. Well, that's because most of us haven't heard of all of those. True. Then you had... Well, I've heard of a throne. Thrones. But people sit on those. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. So now we have, for example, the three triads of the celestial hierarchy. Oh, man. So they're broken down even more into power structure. From those nine? From those nine. So your top three are called counselors. These were simply angels of presence in God's presence and such specifically. Those were seraphim. And again, I'll, I'll define some of these. So you had the counselors, angels of presence, seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. So when they say one of the names for Jesus was counselor, is that That's different. totally different? Yeah, very different. Very <sighs> different. I need like a flow chart. <laughs> Actually, most of us would. Then you had governors. They were over the forces of nature. Okay? So they were dominions or the dominations, oftentimes interchange, virtues and powers. Those were the forces of nature. And then you had specifically messengers. These were the ones who specifically minister to humans. So you had principalities, archangels, and angels. I feel like most people would would have heard of the first two and the last two. You're probably right, and yes. And the middle ones, not so much. Not so much, right. You wouldn't have a clue. Um, so when you look at all of this, is that uh, just want to look at a couple of things here. That <laughs> in the giant in the giant encyclopedia book. of Catholicism, which is bigger than the Bible you have here. Uh, yes. Let's see here. Because it's fascinating when you start to look at these things. For example, seraphim are... Now, these are the... Uh, okay, we've got to make sure I'll that we... I'll just take the cover off for now. <laughs> okay, these are the uh, the counselors. Seraphim... Now, this, this is reported in, in uh, Isaiah... Uh, they were ones, they had six wings. Now, these, this is... They one, have wings. This is one that does mention wings. But they had six wings, not two wings. That's cooler. Six wings. Uh, the, with the six wings, 
two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. As the seraphs surround the throne of God, they call to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy. These are the ones who are in the presence of God. So it makes sense to cover your eyes, your face, cover your feet. Also, then you have like cherubim, cherubim. These are in Genesis and Ezekiel. No wings. The cherubim function as attendants of God, guarding, for example, the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve have been expelled from it. <laughs> so they can't get back in. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> Remember, these are pe- pe- beings that do the bidding of do God. They have swords? No, no mention of swords. <sighs> no mention of swords. Okay. And cherubim, the representation of them, were placed in Solomon's temple and facing each other in the, at the uh, either end of the Seed of Mercy, which the, was the cover cover of the Ark of the Covenant. So sometimes you'll see, you know, these creatures facing each other. Now, sometimes they'll have arms, sometimes they'll have wings. Again, that's a a, a depiction of it. But they are the ones seated on the cover, which is the throne, facing each other, guarding the Ark of the Covenant. And if you watched uh, Indiana Jones, they have that representation uh, on there. To go back to that one. And then thrones are mentioned in uh, Colossians, and according to Jewish legends, uh, they are some of these of the thrones are numbered among the fallen angels. Always got to put one of those in there. And um, let's see. And dominant characteristics were steadfastness. These were the the trusted ones that would again do the bidding. And of yet God. they were fallen, and so they probably were some, weren't very trustworthy. Well, there were some, some. Um, okay. Then you have, you know, going to the next three. So the first three are very Old Testament. Very angels. much, yes. Okay. Yes. And these are the ones you might say are in ways constantly in the presence of the divine. Okay. In a sense, all angels are, but the hierarchy. Okay. You got the ones that are up close and the ones who are sitting at the other end of the table. So what was first, seraphim or cherubim? Seraphim. So cherubim, could they be the ones, you know, guarding the gates of heaven? They, yes, they would be the ones guarding the gates of heaven. Yes. Okay. Again, the, that's, that's their role. That's their job. Um, then you have, again, going to the others, uh, as, as you mentioned, these are a lot of, there's not so much even from scripture and such. This is much out of folklore, legend, um, trying to make sense out of it in ways that we are capable of being able to, uh, to grasp these these issues one of the sources and this is out of dennis the areopagite um say that five times fast yeah is that um he wrote a lot about this for example uh that the powers uh they thwart the efforts of demons to overthrow the world there are those who who are now these are the middle three, right? Part of the middle three, and that was powers was one powers. of them. Powers, okay. And for Pope Gregory the Great, they presided over the demons to make sure that they behaved themselves and didn't get out of hand. Um, they also um, they regarded the whole idea was that evil was under the control of the devil. The devil was an angel. You know, some say that he was a fallen archangel. There's no place of that. He was an angel. 
And so the was concept... Was he a, that third level? Of nope, the, no, he was none of those. He was an angel. There is no place where, other than, and again, legends saying that he was a fallen archangel. This is where movies and books and all of that come in. He was a fallen angel. And so that's kind of where he sat. Wait, I'm confused. He was a fallen angel or he wasn't a fallen angel? No, he was a fallen angel. He wasn't, but he wasn't. But he didn't have a title. No, he was an angel. He wasn't one of the, he was like the lowest rung on the ladder. Right. Correct. Or it, if it's no, no gender. Okay. Correct. Okay, sorry. So now you'd come with the, 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 the lowest, lowest rung. And again, it's a hierarchy as, as it is understood that deals specifically with human beings, okay? So <laughs> I like that the lowest rung of angels deals with humans. Of course. Okay. That would make sense. The principalities, their primary function, according to tradition, is the protection of religion. Uh, they watch over the leaders of the people and inspire them to make right decisions. They are also linked with the powers to include evil as well as good spirits. So their primary thing was the protection of religion. We could probably use a lot more of their presence these days. So like the protection of popes and priests popes, and bishops. And... Exactly. Okay. That was their primary primary function according to... Assignment. Tradition. Their primary yes. assignment. Yes. Okay. Archangels, which we are probably most familiar yeah, with. Yeah, so okay. that is surprising to me that it's so low on the hierarchy. Yeah, what you go at, even, I guess, even in heaven, there's red tape and bureaucracy. <laughs> so the archangels, uh, they are messengers who bear divine decrees, which makes sense. You have Gabriel, Gabriel you have Michael, you have, and now many of these are named often in Revelation, the book of Revelation, and in... Now, doesn't Michael have a sword in most of the depictions he's that's in? That's a depiction. There is no place, you know... Now, now we can get where the depiction comes from. If they are to conquer evil and battle against the, 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 the power of evil, well, of course, they wouldn't bring an Uzi because they wouldn't have had a concept of that. They would have had a sword because that would have been what they were familiar with. Uh, you know, if they if you bring it, you know, into a later time, they would have had a musket or, you know, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Or maybe that would have uh, not been very yeah, a tank is that. Yeah. So these things, because these are protectors, these are the ones who fight against, you know, humans and such or the powers of evil that is in humanity. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's see. Um Michael is referred to the one who contended with the devil, and that is in in uh, Jude, the book of Jude. And in Thessalonians, there's a re reference to the archangel's call that will come on the day the Lord returns from heaven. Um, so these are, here again, these are very much part of Christian tradition. Uh, in Christian tradition, you also have Gabriel and Raphael, are also considered archangels. Um, let's see. Then you have, so archangels, and I'll again go a little bit more into that. There are nine, seven archangels, okay? Each of them 
have a um, a different title name, and the name always ends in L, which means of God, like God, with God, something like that. So again, it speaks of divine, divine being. Mm-hmm. And then you have going from the lowest to the you know to the bottom of the barrel, is that you have uh, just angels, and they're referred oftentimes in the Bible. Uh, very few actually being named. The one angel that is actually named is Satan. Hmm. He's the one angel that is actually <clears throat> named. He's got a lot of power for all the people that are yeah. above him. Like, you know, he's a king in a lesser kingdom as opposed to a great king in a greater kingdom. Um, they performed all sorts of functions and uh, they, you know, did they helped the upper echelon, you might say. Um, and so, but they always were there to lead, protect, heal, and intercede with God on behalf of humans. They were our human, uh, you might say, our intermediators with humanity to God. Now, it's interesting that though guardian angels... Do they have wings? No. In fact, they don't even have a separate category. <laughs> They're just angels. Whether they even exist or not, oh come on, is the question. Is that that is uh, that is something that is up for debate, depending upon you know who you talk to. They are. It is very much a local and uh, personal piety type of thing. Is that you had angels, and where guardian angels come through, and I'll mention that a little bit, is that in the book of Matthew where they talk about. Guardian, uh, not guardian angels, but angels who watch over. And the inference was is that they watch over particularly children. Now, there's a lot depending upon how you interpret that with the language. We'll get to that in a minute. So the only angels with wings are at the top. At the top, and there are only one mention specifically, and that is seraphim. And they have and they six. Have six. Yeah, but so. no one ever sees their faces. Correct. Or feet. Or feet. Okay. But they can fly. But they can fly. So with, there's that. With the two extra. The um so now let's let's go to the uh again we go to the archangels. Now the only three that are mentioned in scripture are Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. That's why they have the title of Saint Michael, Saint Gabriel and Saint Raphael. Okay? They have a denote they're denoted as saints because they're actually mentioned in scripture. The others are not. And so you have uh, these seven groups or so you have Saint Michael, his me- name means one who is like God. And where did he come in in Revelation you said? Uh, that was no that was no. before Revelation oh. actually in Old Testament but Revelation Old is Testament. is a Old Testament. Okay. Uh, Gabriel, New Testament, New Testament, God is my strength. Uh, Raphael, New Testament, God is my health. Okay. Health. Now, when you get to the final four. Do they have names? Yes. Oh. In fact, you have Uriel, God is my light. Jophiel, the beauty of God. Chamael. God's wrath. If I had that name, that's what I would mean to. 
Zadkiel, oh my gosh. also referred to as Halaliel, is righteousness of God, and Jafkiel, which is purity of God. So if they're not named or listed really in scripture, where did these come from? These come from, I'm glad you asked that. These That's why come, I paid the big bucks. Yeah. These come from or evolve literally out of the Jewish tradition, or they're also from the Jewish apocryphal books like Enoch, is that what we have to remember is that uh, a lot of times different things that we that tend to be like personal pieties and such come out of books that were not necessarily taken as sacred scripture or seen as part of the Roman canon or any of the Christian canons for that matter. And by canon, I'm talking about the Bible, not canon law. <laughs> Is that you have, for example, we have Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Peter, Gospel of Judas. Gos- there are all sorts there of... there Mary Magdalene? There is a a Gospel of Mary Magdalene. These are all sorts of books and groupings of writings that were oftentimes known about, well-known, but there could be any number of reasons why uh, they were not accepted as as uh, as part of the canon of scriptures. For an example would be in one of these and I, and I don't have right offhand, I don't remember which one. But in one of these, you have the story, for example, of Jesus who would win all the games with the kids that he played with in the neighborhood. Okay? Well, that's not exactly what you want to remember. I you, could just see these little kids, like, throwing down there. Yeah. This is not fun. <laughs> exactly. Then you have, for example, Jesus uh, making sure that all of Joseph's carpentry was absolutely perfect. There were never any flaws in boards. Oh, wouldn't that be great? They were, yeah, they were all perfect. That's why his his carpentry work and his masonry work were all sought after because his son would make them perfect. <laughs> well, you know, those aren't exactly the things you want to um, you want to have as your sacred books, and you have different things. And sometimes it was something that kind of you know. Um, colloquial or or simple. Other times, theologically, it was way out there and not something that really was embraced or taught by the the 12 apostles. So when we look at things like angels, any number of these angels could have come from like the book of Enoch, uh, which again is apocryphal. It could have come from, you know, one of these other gospels. It could have simply come from a tradition you know, that was out there for whatever reason. And so, you know, somebody decided and it, 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 you know, got picked up some speed and it was simply grasped. It became part of the, the hierarchy of angels. Obviously, they're not super grasped by Catholicism because we don't know their names. That is correct. Well, and exactly, you're right, is that these... Other the the last four are rarely Uriel is one that I have heard the most you know in 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 some literature or whatever, but the other you know the other three haven't really heard any of those at all, you know as far as what they have to offer or really their place. You would really have to do a lot more research to find what you know what group 
or what particular person that may have had some theological authority. It could have been a, a very famous rabbi. It could have been a, a very well-known bishop or pope or whatever that bought into a particular tradition or storyline and, you know, really promoted that. And so it, it, it caught in the books and was never really taken out. Uh, obviously, Michael and, um, you know, Raphael Gabriel are in are in the are, are in in a much more popular vein. Mm -hmm. Now, so you have not only angels in Scripture, which we have been talking about, but you. It's interesting how the importance or the significance of these celestial beings has also, you might say, come into our uh, our liturgy. For example, um, and it's it's seemingly coming back. <clears throat> there are parishes that will pray the prayer of St. Michael the Archangel uh, sometimes after the homily, yep. sometimes after communion. The, after communion or at the end of Mass. Now, in the 60s, all of those kinds of prayers were gotten rid of because it was decided they have no place in liturgy, and I would tend to agree. Because it wasn't only, you know, you could have... You could have prayers for Mary. You could have prayers for the archangels. You could have prayers. You could be for, there another hour. Well, precisely. They added nothing to the sacred worship. Um, what I find interesting is some of this is sneaking back in. And I find that in some ways, I find that somewhat disturbing because the idea being is that liturgy in some ways should be universal. But if it has been made so personal or specific to a particular group, then when if I go to liturgy or whatever, and they're telling me you got to add these four or five or six or seven prayers, which could easily be done, it's no longer universal. It belongs to you as a particular church, but it's no longer universal. It also came in, for example, in the 80s when various churches and, you know, how this kind of works itself out. Various churches were using, and I remember a discussion I had with some leadership of a parish where I was helping out. They used a Eucharistic prayer. It was a beautiful meal prayer. It was a beautiful meal prayer. <laughs> but it didn't have the parts of the Eucharistic prayer. And if you, you, I'm sure you know that a Eucharistic prayer has specific parts. You have the consecration. You have the epiclesis, calling of the Spirit. You have the anamnesis, the remembering time. These are all specific parts that make this a universal prayer. If you leave out a calling down of the Spirit, it's no longer a Eucharistic prayer. What, and, I, and I remember the, the, the conversation that I had. They said, well, this is what we use here. I said, I understand. I really do. And I said, I'm not criticizing the prayer. I am saying that it has become so specific, it's no longer part of the church prayer. It's your prayer, mm -hmm. but it's not the church's prayer. And I'm certainly not necessarily against, you know, a variety of Eucharistic prayers, as long as they have the parts, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you can't call something a truck but not have a flatbed on the back or something, you know. You can't call something, you know... Uh, whatever, you know, and, and not have a key part to it. It has to have key parts. It can look differently, 
but it's got to have key parts. And the same thing when it comes to, to these kinds of things. So, you know, it's a discussion, you know, as far as all of that goes. Uh, and I know there are people who I'm sure would disagree with me. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, I think I have more, more foundational arguments than they do. So, but it comes into our liturgy and it comes into our lives. For example, guardian angels. Now, there is no separate choir or, or level. Guardian angels are part of people's personal piety. And where does it all, and I think all of this really comes down to the fact that we are loved by God. Guardian angels are really based on Matthew 18, verse 10, where Jesus, you know, makes the comment of... See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven always look upon the face of my heavenly Father. The reason I mention is that there's discussion what that actually meant, is that little ones could mean children, or little ones were oftentimes the term that was referred to people who were in the RCIA or just starting to enter the process of what it meant to become a Christian. They were to referred to as neophytes. They were referred to as little ones. Yeah, but at the time when this was written, I mean, Jesus wouldn't have said that about them because that wasn't a thing. But whether Jesus actually said that or not, I suppose. you know, again, this is one of those in red, is that we don't know exactly the words that Jesus said, except in very few places do we have any certainty? The thing we need to recognize is, is that Matthew, he is writing 70, 80 or so years after Jesus. The community has already, you know, started to form and coalesce. We know that by Paul's writings, who were written before Matthew. And so the writers of the, we have to remember too, is that the writers of the Gospels all had a bias and they were all looking at it from a particular angle post-resurrection. So sure. it, they could have very easily used these terms. Slip that in, yeah. Yeah, and and it would, could have referred to as children. Regardless of what Jesus would have said or not, it could have certainly been used as a term for those who are starting. So, but the, the uh, presumption being that you have, uh, that you have a protector. And so as pieties and such would eventually, you know, personal pieties and communal pieties would come into play, the whole concept of guardian angels. Uh, I, mean, I think, you know, in a way, when I think about that, it is a very personal way that our church teaches, um, not, it didn't always do this in its own theology, but in its personal pieties and pietistical practices, and I mean pietistical practices in the best sense of that term, is that this was one of those ways for the church to remind people God specifically cares about you as an individual. You are not somehow left out of God's mind or God's care. And this is one way to remind people of that. Now, although we have a feast of the guardian angels on October 2nd, again, there is no specific literature or anything that alludes to that. 
However, so how'd that become a feast it's, day? It's then? a concept. It's 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 like any of many of our other fees, whether it's about a building, or yeah, whether it's about true. you know, a, 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 as I call a furniture feast, like the chair, the chair of Peter. Yeah, it's a concept, and it's the concept that that we must, I believe, keep in focus. So that we're not worried about, you know, fat little cherubs with, with tiny little wings, you know, fluttering around, you know, beating up on evil spirits as much as the concept of we have, we believe in a God that loves us in a personal and very real and human divine way. And wants to protect us. Exactly. And so we celebrate this concept of this kind of personal God and God of love and a God of care. So um, what's interesting with its, with when it comes to angels and all of these angels is that though the, 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 the belief is widespread, it has never been officially part of church dogma. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, there's a feast day. Uh, but and again, we, we do it all the time. Now, I suspect you've never seen a seraphim. You've never, you know, these are things, again, these are concepts. And the, the, the teachings of the church point toward things we can't necessarily show or prove. But certainly we neither, neither can we say that we know with absolute or as absolute as we can possibly get. But I think it's important that we keep the concepts. You know, I'm not so crazy about, you know, the, the hierarchy stuff, you know. It's, again, when, when you look at much of this stuff, and, and this is how I, I look at a lot of this, uh, Lindsay, is that we are trying to the best we can. And it's just exactly when, when these concepts or these, these you know, flowcharts were put in place, <laughs> mm-hmm. they were trying to describe Um, trying to express something about God and the divine presence the best they could. We don't have a concept of infinite infinite time. We can't wrap our heads around that because we are finite beings. However, what we can do is that we can, uh, what we can do is, is we can put some things into terms that we can begin to wrap our heads around. Mm-hmm. So when you look at this, the concepts that some of these, the key ones you might say express, is that God is personally involved in our lives, some manner, shape, or form. And God's will is ultimately achieved in some manner, shape, or form. Is that how? We don't know exactly how. <laughs> but what we do know is that, and what we do believe, is that God's will is ultimately achieved. And God's will is ultimately achieved not only through divine action, again, of God, you know, uh, deliberately involved in human life, the incarnation, but it's also achieved through human beings. And that's the whole point when you think of angels or guardian angels, is that we are people that are guided if we listen we are people that are guided and protected by the divine presence. What we call them, who really cares? We happen to use the word angel because of, of, its, of its basic meaning. It could have been any number of terms that we would have used. You know, I, w- I was talking a little bit about that 
when uh, last night at the council I was talking about um, you know, needing to raise millions of dollars, okay? And I said to the crowd, I said, you know, I try to wrap my head around what even a million dollars could possibly be. I have no concept of that. I can't imagine having or somehow controlling that kind of a money, not to mention billions or trillions or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. So you have to break it down. You have to break it down into something that, that I can, as a human being, I can understand. Uh, and that goes, you know, for anything, you know, anything. Uh, so we talk about light years or we talk about, you know, and we have to bring that down. How far do we think light would travel? Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, these kinds of concepts. Theology is no different. Or spirituality. These kinds of concepts are human, inadequate human ways of trying to grasp, describe, understand what is so far beyond us, but we need to try. And so they described a hierarchy because that's what they knew. We describe, you know, titles, names, and then give them a definition because that's what we know. And a gender and what yes. they look like. Yeah. Because that's what we know. And so when you think of art and how art depicts angels and such, we have a certain way because we have, you know, an angel in armor. We have an angel, you know, obviously with wing holes because you need to be able to have your wings stick well, through the armor. Yeah. You know, that's what we know. And so because that's what we know, that's how we're going to describe it. But to me, it's the concept behind it all that is most important. God is individually involved in our lives and loves us more than we can imagine and will do everything and anything that God can, the divine one can, in order to help protect us and to help us do what we know to be right and true. Whoo! Angels. Angels. Yes. Lots to think about there. For sure. Lots For to sure. burst a bubble too. <laughs> Whoo! Anyway, that was some good information. I think we'll leave it there for this time. We hope you enjoyed that and we will see you next time.